everybody. It's LOI Central with Dan and Johnny. Very welcome, very welcome along. It is uh, Season 7, Episode 36 of LOI Central. And uh, today's show is uh, going to deal with um, what's been, a, I suppose, a growing team in the League of Ireland of late overseas takeovers or overseas ownership. We're going to have Wesley Hill and Ben Boycott of Vela on. And they are the prospective new owners uh, of Drawdy United. There's also been uh, news around Treaty as well. But um, we're going to hear from the lads and why they got involved in the League of Ireland. Also, early in the show, we're going to hear from James McLean. Dan ca- caught up with him for sort of three or four minutes. And um, yes, we've also got a pretty interesting round of games coming up in the League of Ireland. Um, Shamrock Rovers obviously closing in on the title. And uh, the playoff situation in the first division uh, is uh, heating up as well. Uh, just to mention our sponsors, uh, we are in association with uh, obviously Rascals Brewery in Inchcore there are lots of events happening uh, there and uh, we'll have a little bit of word of our live show as well go to their page on rascalsbrewing.com for details of upcoming movie nights concert screenings and all the major matches on the big screen we're also in association as ever with Future Ticketing and thanks to the lads for uh, bringing me to the Ireland game on Friday and uh, we're also in association obviously with Collar and Cuff uh, in Glasnevin Dan how has the week been for you? It's been okay. Um, okay. I was in, I was, it's been okay. I was in Faro for the uh, Gibraltar-Ireland game. So very conscious, actually. But you, you know, so I put out a tweet about, um, you know, God, this is grim, you know, covering this match. But then like, you, it's the fine line between that and then like being very entitled for like being paid to be there. And it's not, you know, it's not like it's not that. I, I don't like that world-weary uh, journalist. Oh, why am I here? thing when a lot of people would like that job it was just more so the grimness of i love the i love the energy of an international away match day you know where you spend time sort of you know you're sort of walking around the town and you might see sort of fans around the place and you get that buzz and um quite deflating to be around a, a game that that really matters so little and to be so far away from a game that matters so little. We have a few comments related to Stephen Kenny in the mailbag. I think, uh, I don't know, I don't want to spend my whole time going over that on a League of Ireland show here, um, but there is a few comments related to that. But I suppose the one thing about it is, you know, the, the vibrancy around the league this year. I, I know that the title race that we love, TM, um, is is probably over. Um, but I, I like that, you know, you're, you're coming out of an, and you're looking forward to the games this week, that there's storylines and stuff to grab you back in, that sometimes in the past it can be very off-Broadway relative to um, maybe the international games, but at the moment it's almost looking forward to getting back to the buzz of covering the league, which I have to admit isn't isn't always the way. Yeah, how deflating was the whole Stephen Kenny experience for you the last week? Like, I was at the game Friday and I know it's like, I know it's a League of Ireland thing, but... It was... Johnny, I can't do it. I can't do it again in this forum. Let's just like, I mean, we've 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 done it before after the last international window. You've overcame. Um, there's nothing more to add. We've a few comments in the mailbag, um, that we'll we'll go that way. But I suppose actually, I mean, maybe early doors. What I might do is, uh, I, I suppose we talk about the last week. I mean, it's busy enough, um, but it's topical, um, that after coming back from. Farrell on Tuesday, I pretty much went straight to Abbottstown, where Gavin Bazunu was there, um, as part of an initiative on Neil Gorman and Mark Cannon from the FBI. And this is basically uh, during COVID. Uh, it was a number of Ireland players, mostly Graham Barrett's clients, but also uh, Seamus Coleman, who came together and raised around thirty grand for um, 
kind of a hardship fund around the time that people thought that maybe wages mm. wouldn't be paid by clubs. Now it actually worked out okay, and didn't really end up needing that money. Um, but I, but as a consequence. And with everything that's going on at the moment, uh, the decision was made to try and use that money constructively. It was still sitting there and they're, they're putting it towards these two scholarships, one boy, one girl, a League of Ireland club starting from next year. Um, so we had this event on Tuesday where Gavin Bazunu in person, who, who I'm told is very passionate about it and is probably the most passionate about it, but also James McLean, who dialed in um, from Wrexham, uh, two ex-League of Ireland players, speaking about this scheme and it's all topical where we're at at the moment that uh maybe it all ties in you know our international team is is struggling i will say like you know seven players who started in faro had played in the league of ireland some for a long period of time maybe some not as much but like liam scales or benny and they're real success stories relevant success stories and but naturally enough the problem is there isn't enough money really to create a proper high performance academy structure here and it is mad like seven players like and you know we, we don't even kind of think about that like mad isn't it i mean it surprised me someone said it before kickoff uh, i know matt doherty right like he he just passing through really you know but passed uh, through you know, a billion and a half for bows you're having for yeah exactly like evan ferguson not that many appearances and um, maybe if it hadn't been COVID, it might be different um but i guess you know like st kevin's boys as well like you know were the, were the main drivers i guess in his story but the, i mean the flip side like you know scales and Og benny and jamie mcgrath like Scales and Jamie McGrath probably played around five seasons in the league. Um, Ogbeni, maybe shorter space of time. Um, but yeah, like you, you look at it, there is a real link. But uh, so anyway, I mean, I, we'll, we'll play a little bit of audio from James McLean here because one of the points I did make to him is that, you know, it's hard to maybe some people in this country, and I have these debates with like agents on social media who say there's like no. Why do you have debates on social media with agents? Like, this is like one of the most stupid things you'll ever have. Like, well, you know, it's all about engagements, Johnny. You know, is it though? Like, like, sorry, sorry, Dan. Social media, like, come on. I know, I know. It's I mean, at the moment, I'm mean, just not going down that road. But like, there is a. I think actually, sometimes I have no problem with engaging with people on social media. I think sometimes for a long period of time, journalism might have existed in a sort of an ivory tower. You didn't get to hear people's opinions. Just the problem with social media is that you also get to hear people's opinions. Like, you know, mm. there's, there's got to be a fine balance between the two. Like, you have to be accountable for what you put out sometimes and be able to respond. But I mean, like, it exposes you sometimes to, to discussions that you don't want to opinions that you don't want to know exist out there that you happily got away with not knowing they existed before. But like even now, like in this world, um, you know, that people could not see the relationship between strengthening the League of Ireland and the international team, it's extraordinary. But like those people do exist out there. And me, like to me, that's okay. You, you can just hone in on, like I said, individual people who probably don't know what's going on. But that sort of drives home the message, like the challenge that is ahead mm. that we might know it in our world. You know, we, we might know it in certain parts of the country. You might know it. Other parts of the country just do not, they mightn't even, mightn't even know the background of Scales and Ogbeni, you know, and, and people like that. But anyway, James McLean, uh, this is part of the chat, whereas I suppose initially I just was just talking to him generally about um, a how we've arrived at this point. You know how important it is going forward to sort out the department of of young players in the country, and also went in a little bit. He had recent comments maybe on Instagram about uh, people having a go at him playing in League Two while they're calling for League of Ireland players to be called up. So that's also touched on here. Um, yeah, like you said, in an ID word. But in the same sense, it doesn't matter how we get there, as long as we get there. 
um, you know, the FAI now are fully on board with, which is which is great. Um, you know, we we've, we've got their backing, and they're obviously going to propel to a, to a new level. But then the ultimate goal is to get that government funding, you know, because that then will take it the well somewhat close to where we want to get. Um, because you know we don't have the probably the financial backing of what the government has. So, you know, if we can obviously get them on board, you know, that's that's kind of going to be massive. I think you spoke recently, I think you had something on Instagram, it was about, say, League 2 and reactions mm -hmm. to you playing in League 2 and the broader debates about sort of, you know, League of Ireland players around the squad. And just to follow on from that, like, has even going down to League 2 been an eye-opener for you in terms of probably, I know Wrexham are, are quite, maybe yeah. a club that's in a good place, but just generally, you know, facilities, standards and all these things relative to what we're dealing with here at home. Oh well, like I said, that that point I made, like I'm at, at League Two now, um, but the facilities here, you know, are miles ahead of the, the, the League of Ireland standard, and this is the the third tier, uh, in English football. Do you know what I mean? You have the Premier League, and then obviously from the from the EFL is so this third tier, so and that's miles ahead of our our domestic league, our Premier Division. So, that like that's. Like I said, in 2023, that, sh it sh that shouldn't be the case. Our, our league back home, domestic league, should be stronger than what it is. And I think that's always kind of been kind of been an issue. And it's always kind of held held people back and kind of, in a way, probably held the, the national team back in a way. I was just going to say, I think seven players who started last night had played in the in the League of Ireland at some stage. Like sometimes it feels like it can be a struggle to explain to people the link between yeah. the two. But do you think it should be as clear as ever now that one will lead to the other? Yeah, well, you hope so. Like, but you but you look at you look how uh, our domestic teams do in Europe. You know, we don't very very rarely. You know, it's it's seen as a a, a massive success. If one of our domestic teams get to the group stage, you know, and that com that that comes from not not a great domestic league. Like you, you might might as well put, put your hand up and say how it does. It's it could be a lot better. That if we have a, a, a better domestic league, if we have better things in place for young players coming through where they get this uh head start at an early age, you know, ultimately it's going to benefit the league. If it benefits the league, you're going to get stronger teams, you're going to get you know, teams doing better in Europe. Like I, I look at some of the the countries that knock knock our uh, domestic teams out in Europe, and you're thinking, you know, th that that should not be the case. Like we we should be qualifying a lot more than than we are. And again, that comes down to we need a stronger league. Sorry, maybe one last thing. I mean, I appreciate James. Sorry, it's a it's a once off contribution that that dates back to COVID uh, times. But I mean, I know. As you said, it should be a non-negotiable, but uh, do you think players will be open to contributing again, you know, towards this, or, or should it have to come to that, I guess? It shouldn't, you know have, I mean? it, it shouldn't, it shouldn't have to come to that, do you know what I mean? Like, it, it shouldn't be our job to basically fund the league and make the league better, you know? Like, it should be, like, a government-funded thing anyway. You know, we should. So, look, it's a start from, it's a start from our end. It, you know, like I said, it doesn't matter how you get started. The, the ultimate aim is to get where they where you want to be and we appreciate all the help along the way and you know the FAI being involved obviously is massive and that's you know where 
grateful to them and they can obviously help take it to a new level but I think it they we need to get the government level we need government funding and if we get that then I think this I think the sky's the limit really like it should at the minute the aim is to get one girl and one boy but you know the ultimate goal is to get a lot more get a proper scholarship program where you know our our young young talent coming through boys and girls you know they've got the the best the best facilities and the and the, the best access to get an education if you know the football thing doesn't work out but should they should have the best tools available too to give them the best chance of making it uh professionally you reckon he'll end up coming back to the league of ireland then um i think that's always been part of the plan i think to come back home um to Derry. yeah um I think probably like like uh, uh, you know Damien Duff or something like you know someone probably in the league who doesn't hold back with their opinions and has a bit of a profile. There's probably no harm if he's is able to stay vocal on some of the topics he's talking about there. I mean, but this is the thing. Like it's a great scheme that they've done. I'm not having a go at it by by uh, the opposite and um, by maybe asking questions that could be deemed as negative. It's just more so, like, it's 15 grand ahead to put a player through this. That was established at the press conference. They want to do it around the country. You could estimate maybe five, six million quid a year. That money just isn't there at the moment, you know, and... and um... Basically, the FAI, like, day-to-day has very little money, and this is, the, this is the bottom of the line. Like, they have very little money, and as much as they say, you know... Our debt repayment plan is uh, going to come, you know, into its zenith in twenty twenty eight. Day to day, they've nothing. Yeah, I mean, uh, Mark Adam would say that they're just going to, you know, that they they just going to have to cut some programs to make other things work, and and that may well be the way it is to go. But I, I think this is the thing. Like, you you probably need like these high profile people to come out and shame people into action and i'm not talking about the fei in that regard i'm more so talking about the government debate and um, because we've had it across the show this year the betting tax you know various sort of um you know points we've raised and and people say you're 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 trying to talk down other sports by doing it it's 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 not about that but that's it's effectively a way of pointing out that maybe the funding you're looking at here does appear to exist in the country in you know for other forums and trying to sell the good of sport and, and it is true look um we're not playing any Gavin Bazunu. uh James James's clip only maybe touched on it there but I mean the only the only way to sell this to be fair as palace but you can't just say just give us money for football um I mean it'd be great if that was the case but it's more about the wider benefits and like football through education um you know you see these stats coming out from England again during the week about you know academy players and what happens to them like socially like if we're concerned about the employment that's created through other sports rightly so other industries um what about the amount of people like we could actually allow them to pursue one career skill them for another you know there's there's a lot of benefits if you can get these sort of programs going so um but anyway it's uh it's i don't know what you feel about the broader picture well, on but that. It, it's like they, they don't realize that we could have a football industry here like we could have a football industry and the country is awash with money from the multinationals like awash with tax returns and we you know our, our, i guess our um the government's kind of stake in football has been so low 
um, from time immemorial that they don't realize that like we actually could have a football industry in this country that means like 20 clubs that actually employ people and then key people in this country who need to be probably um coached from a very young age by professional coaches to actually play here as well as what uh, James and Gavin are trying to um, espouse like so I, I do think we're getting there though like I, I, I guess the people I've spoken to the last few weeks and their, I suppose, their reaction to talking to people at government level is that, yeah, they kind of realise that football has been pretty much left behind in some respects. And even if we don't necessarily have like a Sinn Féin government, if we do have like a, whatever our next government is, I do think football is going to get a, a better hand. Anecdotally, I hear 3% tax is probably going to happen. Um, and if that does happen, that's my kind of uh, leaning on it anyway. And... If that does happen, it's going to be a lot more money going into football. Um, I do think we're in we're in a good place in that regard. Hey, confident about sources now, because I mean the betting yeah. tax didn't go up this time. You'd be confident enough, okay? It, that's that's go. yeah within the racing industry. That's what I'm hearing now. I, you heard it. But did you behave yourself as a guest of future ticketing? To be clear, uh, I mean I, I saw a photo of you. You have this thing you do sometimes when you're when you're like you you you're obviously what you know what. Years of age, you have this photo page, photo pose that you're like you're not you're probably sober, but you still put your arm around someone you really like, and you sort of stick your tongue out and sort of look a bit. People have seen that of Instagram. Like, were you, were you okay? Like, you, there's nothing, no issues. We need to report back from uh, future ticketing after this appearance. No, hey, Dan, Dan, I was watching Ireland versus Greece. This was hard to watch. Like, <laughs> like this was hard to watch. Like, um. I know I, I found the whole like so I brought a mate along who's not a non-League of Ireland fan and who's a big Stephen Kenny fan and the whole thing was like it was almost like the end of the road so I was obviously like uh, Connor Hoy was there as well so you're you're talking to like um guy from Drada it's great and you know Connor's trying to tell me about like the takeover which you'll hear about shortly uh, proposed takeover obviously but I brought along a League of Ireland uh, non-League of Ireland fan and it was very hard to watch and I found the um. I found the last uh, days of Stephen Kenny reign very hard to watch. Um, yeah, pretty much. Oh, there we go. Okay, just we, 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 we keep going to this Kenny rabbit hole by accident, so let's just go to the mailbag and get out of it. Hey, what's the time? It's mailbag time. A big bag of electronic letters. What do we got, Dan? Okay. So, the, it's good to know we have a couple of questions about the live show here because we are, we are recording this on Wednesday evening. We are remote this week, by the way, people may have noticed, but not in Oliver. Uh, just an uh, un- unfortunate event prevented us from being able to do that. Um, but there is a question about the live show. We're hoping to have a live show news, hopefully by Friday, Fargal J, ticket announcement for live show soon. We're hoping to get it by Friday. If not, definitely to start next week um, Fargal and like the date and the diary is still there it's still Monday November the 6th um, Lil Jackson was asking are there gin and tonics at the live show um, TBC to I think it'll be okay yeah TBC to last year we're not sure what the details would be we're working on it it's going to be an um, epic Dan well I mean let's not you know let's let's just let's just let's just go in, in, in the style of Travella who are coming on later on let's let's temper expectations in the immediate term we're super say, excited you know, we're going to deliver over the long term, but no, we're we're looking forward to doing something. Um, we just have one or two little bits of details to to, to get over the line this week, and and we'll be in touch. Uh, Oliver Brett, I I like this mailbag question because uh, it's just a little bit different, and he probably might get a voucher for it, even though he, he lives in Clare, so it might be hard for him. How much of a hindrance is the lack of late night public transport in the League of Ireland? I live in Ennis, and while we would love to have our team, 
best access to the Premier next year with Galway, whoever, someone that doesn't drive, it's not possible, unless I can convince a mate to drive over an hour. Last train bus out of Galway is 8pm. Similar story in Cork. The Limerick has the M7 Express bus, it's a godsend, but if you want to have a larger league, surely we need to do a better job in terms of connecting our towns and cities. Interested to hear Johnny's take as a non-driver. I thought it was something different. I, I appreciate you're not going to review the public transport system in the country just to benefit the League of Ireland, but it is something that it's quite limiting, I guess, for certain people. So so to be fair to Bus Aaron, like they've kind of uh, brought in this uh, kind of more regional buses where like, if you want to go to a Galway United match from, say, like Connemara, you couldn't go to a game. And they have brought like a late bus that goes basically uh, to Barna and all the way back. So I think maybe to Clifton, like, so it's totally true, Dan. Like, so you can't, again, also, if you go to a Galway United game, you basically can't get anywhere out of that by the train uh, late at night. And uh, yeah, it is a difficulty. And thankfully, Go Bus and CityLink have been great. But um, from my perspective, yeah, it has been. So you end up basically going on the piss in Galway afterwards. Or going home with the referee, if you you know whatever whatever it is, yeah. an option not available to Oliver, to be clear. But I think it's a good question, um, and it's part of the again. Sometimes you're like you're preaching to people in parts of the country that don't have a club to get on board, yeah. and like just you don't have a club nearby. And even if they don't, how do you, how do you get to to watch one? And it's um it's a very valid point. Um, okay, Jer, what is the blocker each year to the League of Ireland Prize Fund increasing? Is it that hard to raise it by ten percent per season? Combat inflation and rising costs. We've already covered it. Money ain't there. Uh, Rolo, to your knowledge, has Jonathan Hill ever been to a League of Ireland game? And is that an issue? Um, well, he has been, Rolo. I will say that. I mean, I he says he's a big fan of the League of Ireland. He says he's he thinks the standard is really high. He's definitely beat the games. He's definitely beat the games. I know some people were unhappy he wasn't at the, the cup semi finals, uh, the, the one in Galway. And look, I, I guess like, I, I haven't gone big down the geographical road. I, I don't really care where someone. I understand the optics of, of him living in, in the UK being an issue for people. I can get over all of that if their job is working well, if they're delivering stuff. So rather but like maybe um I suppose like people are waiting for stuff to be delivered in the coming years and maybe it is a stick to beat them if they're not. But I think to be fair, he has gone to a, quite a few League of Ireland games. Um from my knowledge anyway. Uh Richard, a third tier in the League of Ireland was due to be established. Have been any movement with that? Um again, that was meant to happen, but Taking time, and um, would it be better? I spoke to, to uh, I spoke to um, one of the guys involved at Kildare, and they're still working hard on kind of getting their ground and blah 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 blah. But it's not straightforward, and they're itching to get going. Yeah, I think there's other parts of the country that are looking at this, by the way, beyond Mayo too. So, but it, it, again. This one won't happen quickly. Would it be better to stick with two tiers and have 15 or so teams in each? Uh, no, 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 no. We have to have the smaller top flight, then build it from there. Hopefully, uh, in my view, anyway. Oh, Dorothy, do the government invest in sports in Ireland or do they use it as a source of revenue? I know the answer, but I want to hear uh, Dan's thoughts. Uh, I mean, if this is it, I, I'm, we've sort of touched on it. I mean, the government attitude to sport is pathetic, in my view. Um, why, like, Dan? Like, why, why? So we're, we're like, we're a sports mad country, but it's like, why won't we invest in sport when we invest in everything else? Like, like we was, we have a lot of problems in the country, and I appreciate like the budget last week or two weeks ago, whenever it was. Um, I I know like there's so much like just there's bigger things going on. If you look at everything through the prism of like the immediate uh, election issues that will prevail, but like. The problem with that is like I don't think the government's ever been convinced the benefits of like long term social benefits of investing in sport and that yes, it may not be 
like it's not as serious as like housing and health and things that are going on but actually there's a health benefit from investing in sport you know there's there's it's it's not always the the a for b and it's it's a product of our political system in this country how it works sport has generally been used you know for for the parish pump system for people to deliver favors in their parish rather than to develop a proper sport policy and um, that benefits you know that makes sense nationally i think Aon reared on touching that when he was here the grant system is the classic example of that uh, but there was nothing really extra for sport in the budget at all it didn't really come up as a talking point like catherine martin's debate uh press conference um i got a notification for it. i just couldn't go but it wouldn't matter anyway but it wouldn't have got in it was all dominated by rte and um, which did get extra funding um you know in the budget so um look the country and let's not get into a debate on the country in general but i mean again when it comes to the euros and and world cups and these things get these sort of vacuous contributions um, from non-entity politicians um, but actually in terms of like a, a brave a brave focus and emphasis on sport I don't see it there may well it, be people behind the scenes it, 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 civil servants who are up for it but we don't see it publicly it's mad when you think we're okay we're, we're a very very wealthy country like extremely wealthy country in terms of like all the money that's coming in we're completely sports mad and our facilities from the ground up are rubbish like they're so bad if you go to any other like wealthy country like we are, particularly the Scandinavian countries. But I, it's almost like we accept it. It's like we just accept, we accept like going to Terryland for a cup semi final with four and a half thousand people in, not even that bother in a stadium. And then you have like the kids who want to play and like, you know, their facilities are shite as well. I, 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 I find it hard, but maybe we're just like, we're just used to it. I don't know. No, I think so. It's, it's but like the football moment is that you're looking for like a once in a generation like stimulus you know but the reality is politically selling is going to be tough because other codes will cause issues and i understand where that comes from um but there's again um yeah like yeah like sometimes you think a misfiring international team is beneficial but then other times you think god do they have to win and suddenly be in the mm. public eye to do this i mean this is the this is the argument, but like and the FBI seems to be repeatedly saying we're having these discussions with senior figures. I always imagine like you know, very senior senior chess pieces on a board being talked to by FBI people. I'm like who who are these senior figures are and to be fair, right, it's the type of word that journalists use in print all the time. You know? Senior figures within the FBI. And it's sort of like it's it's a protecting sources thing. So I'm trying to figure out are they just like applying media tactics by protecting their sources here? I just hope these sources are all there. They all exist and they are actually are all going to do stuff. My sources have called, of course, to be clear, always real. Uh, I do have this image of like an FAI person just talking to like a, a fell, on a, fell on a chessboard. <laughs> it's like, you know, talk to me, talk to me. No. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to say the benefits like here. We're, we're, we're closer to pawns than... Um, <laughs> Bishops control all most of them. Rugby is probably like, a, I don't know, it's something ostentatious, a castle. Did, did you yeah, find it a travesty, Dan? You know? The the whole New Zealand thing, like you know, it was it was it was tough to tough to deal with. Was yeah, uh, Claire Daly supported <laughs> Bose gear yesterday. Who was your favorite politician? Let's rise above it. Who was Claire your favorite politician? No, who was your favorite politician wearing football jersey in part of this? Is the point, I mean, a good question, led, but I just I don't care if the, any of them wear football jerseys. In fact, I mean, some of them that wear football jerseys have they done anything? much either in terms of a lot I'm not so sure well Mick um, Wallace has actually like basically like come up with a club like and he's worn he's Wexford in fairness oh, in fairness Christ, like... he was, he was, yeah he was, he was not so strong on the old John Delaney issue to be you know so this there, is the thing is I, I'd rather like politicians who just 
constructively uh, delivered stuff rather than making sort of shows. Uh, but anyway, we'll move on from that section. Uh, let's go back to League of Ireland permutations. Uh, if Shells were to catch one of Pats or Bowes and finish fourth, who do you think are the most likely to catch? That was James Hanrahan and, J- and uh, John O'Connor and other similar questions. Three rounds of go, who finishes in the top four? Any shocks to throw that race up in the air? Various people have asked us for our two to five or two to six and various combinations. Um, I mean, for James's question, I mean, this Bowes Pats game this weekend is absolutely I'll be there, key. yeah. Like, whoever, if, if a team loses that, they become vulnerable, you know, in the, in the context of the cup situation. I mean, Shells, the Shells, after this, they play UCD and draw their way the last day. I say after this, sorry, it's away in Derry on Friday. Now, okay, never write anyone off about it. Like, it's a great time to play Derry, though. Yeah, well, it is. I just kind of wonder after the break, the Derry sort of refocus as well. I mean, we actually have to just take control a second here and be careful. I mean, Derry... Mm. They um you know they play Pats at home on the final day, um they play Cork away in between. I think Cork are a good team to play at the moment because they have to be gearing up for the playoff. I know they're going to try and build some momentum, but like I've mentioned before, Bowes played them in the last day of the season. That's a gimme, I think, because the, the playoffs only you know is around the corner. You know you can't. I don't know if you're Cork. I think you want obviously be building momentum, but there's a that fine line between that of you know you're not going to be playing Rory Keating it'd be 60% fit or something so um, yeah I think this is the biggest weekend Friday's games actually you know if Derry you know if Derry can beat Shells you know Shells I think are in trouble although as much as they can get six more points but the Pats Bowes one is to me is one of the games of the season I'll be in Rovers draw because you have to be because you have to follow the champ Champions until they're crowned, and um, but like the Bowes Pats game is massive because Bowes I'm, I'm come... going to be there. I'm really looking forward to it actually in the sense of like there, there'll be some buzz as well. So we've had a bit of a uh, two weeks off as well, like so. Yeah, like Pats are still technically in the title, like picture they mm. are a mathematical obstacle to it. Like you know, Pats have two games the weekend. They win both of them. Second is on, but Bowes will feel second is on. Like we're, we're being asked for predictions. Like for me, uh, I still think Derry will will fill out the top three. I reckon Pats might just have enough, but they have a tough run in, you know. And and maybe if if Bowes can win Friday, um, third is very much on for them. And you, you know, you're the mad, second. The bad thing as well is like I'm not saying like Shamrock Rovers won't celebrate the title, but there's a little bit of a feeling for me like okay, we've won the title, but like it's not the, quite the same celebration. I I think in the Brandywell at the moment they're like this has been a bit of a mess season. Like we've had um, we've had like you know we did well in Europe, but it's like. You know, if you, if you talk to Rory Higgins, would he say he's happy with the season? No. Like, he's like, well, we are where we are. Um, and, and that's the strange thing. Like, the, it's been a weird league, Dan, in some respects, like, where you have... I just Sean Grovers have just, for me, just... It's been a bit of a, okay, we've won the title again, but, like, are they all in celebratory mode? They'll be celebrating if they win. I think they, they will. But if you if you text a Rovers fan, what does he feel about the season or she? She'd be like, nah. Yeah, I I think when they win four in a row, you know, I think they'll be okay. You what do Derry feel like? There's there's other issues there, but like I think we're we're, we're going too far down the road of projecting our own views into how they will feel. What do Derry feel like? Bigger indifference. Well, I mean, back to the mailbag. Declan McCormick. Any surprise managerial casualties in the offing this season? Uh, I'm looking at you, Rory Higgins. I don't believe that would be the case. Um, but you know, in saying that, like there was several comments about Stephen Kenny. In the context of <laughs> Stephen Kenny and Derry, Stephen Kenny and Derry, I couldn't see him moving back up to that neck of the woods again. Like Rory Higgins nearly got the Barnes job mid-season, um, and I still think demanding about Derry is that probably 
on their sort of the dreaded uh, XG and all these categories. Actually, I haven't studied this, but I'd say they performed well at times. Like it's that lack of killer instinct and cutting edge. And if Derry went and, you know, Colin Whedon's been injured, if they went and signed a, a really good striker, you know, would their performances suddenly look better if they had that cutting edge? I, I met Kieran, Kieran, met Kieran Call actually before the game, um, and uh, Brian Gar connection. Kieran Call is like we're we're very very close. We're very very close. Like really happy with how things are going. And uh, yeah, they're yeah. I I think they're a good side. Like I don't think there's going to be managerial casualty there. I'm not sure about surprising managerial casualties. I think a lot of people are going to watch the Bradley and Robert situation. He's obviously unhappy with things. Is he going to walk away? I don't think so. I don't think so at all, actually. Um, but if something came up, do I think he would go? I think he probably would. Um, and that could have a sort of a domino effect uh, elsewhere. Um, but otherwise, I can't envisage dramatic changes. You know, if someone like one of the Bowes or Pats managers is going to end the season winning the cup, and a high, you know, if one of them like lost a cup and went out of Europe, they, they they would probably be the manager that would be under pressure first next season, I would say. Um, but I don't see anything shocking. But I, I don't know. Things could, things could, events can always move on. Uh, I say Stephen Kenny will probably take his time. I'm not sure if we'll see him back in the league, but I wouldn't rule it out down the line because a lot of people say he'll never do it again, and I think he's probably stubborn enough to sort of do write his own history. Um, Sean O'Shea mentioned Shane, O'Keegan, Shane Keegan should be contention for League of Ireland Manager of the Year you know definitely you know deserves mention Wexel where will Sam Curtis be in January not sure where probably not in Ireland unfortunately although yeah I mean he's 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 going to have a very good career um, Sean Foley had a comment about Harry Wood and Will Jarvis leaving shells is there an assumption they will be replaced with two more Hull Academy graduates now I haven't heard it said they're definitely not going to be back at shells next year um, maybe I've missed that I don't think that's been the case mm. but I wouldn't rule out good players um, as well actually return yeah Jack Byrne pointed out as a Pats fan I've largely agreed with Dan's view we put in underwhelming performances despite results but he just pointed out that the league table from when John Daly took the job they're top and they were in the cup final so in fairness like, since um, John Daly took the job Pats are top of the table yeah, like everyone's wow. fixtures since then. Yeah. Wow. So but they've been very efficient at beating the teams down the bottom in a way that other teams haven't been, you could argue. Um but but look, they they're the story of their season will be defined by the next three, four weeks and they're in during they've got a chance to make it a great one. Uh only least in the comment if Rory Keating moved on from Cork, um, where would he go? Um, I don't know. I wouldn't want to speculate about Rory Keaton's emotions right now towards it. Like I know every club would want them, I think, but um it's very hard to know what way he would go. Every club him. would want him. Oh, I think so. Yeah, I think most of the top clubs. Honestly, Dan, I, I saw him going out like Roy. Roy was a good player, but I could not, couldn't envisage the explosion. Even saw him at Cork like before this season. It was like he's he's a decent player. Like I, I couldn't believe how good he's been this season. Yeah, I'd imagine like you have this Rory Gaffney situation, and then you probably have Keaton. You know, oh yeah, he'd be in that discussion. I think yeah, like everyone wants a striker, and he's improving, and this is it. Like you know, in this league, like you know, players change. You know, you can't define them by their time at a particular club. And you're definitely um, telling me Afalabi, if he leaves, he goes to somewhere outside the League of Ireland. Well, unless someone's going to pay a, ma- a record transfer fee and Bowes accept it, uh, when they've got probably a, a massive windfall coming down the tracks from a, you know, another striker. So what would, take, what, what would it take for Shamrock Rovers to say, OK, we're going to buy Afalabi here? 
well, based on the Evan Ferguson release clause, probably around 10 million quid. You know? He's probably not worth that, actually. <laughs> I would say it wouldn't be a good deal. Uh, they might get through with that. Uh, I just, I, I mean, you keep alluding to it like you're expecting something to happen here. So we'll see if you're right. There's a 3% bet in tax. Um, tell us <laughs> that we, haven't, we haven't really talked about this. You know, Limerick are going to change. Are they going to change the name again? Will the new name incorporate their Canadian influence? Limerick Whitecaps, Limerick Maple Leafs, Limerick Royal Canadian Mounted Police FC. Snap here. And then Limerick 37 was probably more unwieldy. Yeah, we haven't really mentioned this. Limerick spoke uh, to somebody today within the league, and he's like, Tommy Barrett had a great situation, like really nice chairman, like let him get on with things. His his life's going to get a lot tougher here, Dan. A lot tougher. Like, going to have people who are very hands on. Like, you know, Tommy Barrett has had a nice kind of run of it. Like, I'll pick the team. You know, I know we're on a shoestring. And I was like, but okay. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I listened to a couple of entries with, um, with Kira who's gone in there and Kieran McCormick is a sort of a CEO. It's historic. It's across the two clubs, like men's and women's club. Um, probably like we've, okay, we've got an interview coming up with Travella and I'm probably clear enough about their vision. I've heard stuff. I've heard interviews, the early stage of interviews, but I wasn't at the press conference. I probably feel like I need more detail on this treaty plan and where it's going. Changing the name seems to be part of it. I think that's wise. Seems to be a feel of markets feel as the future. Probably still, to me, a couple of question marks as to how they plan to expand it effectively and um, what level of funding is going to come in. But I guess that hangs over all the investments, probably even the, the Travella one to some degree. So, um, but it's good that it's happened. You know, I, there was a chat a while back that the FBI were looking at a treaty. Uh, it does seem like the FBI are involved in a lot of these deals, that they are, like the people are coming to them and they're sort of pushing them in, in certain directions. That seems to be more the case here. So, yeah, if you're so they're going to like enact, uh, as they would say, a lot of due diligence and anyone sort of coming in going forward. But I think I think Limerick has so much potential. The the, the ground itself, um, Limerick itself, like the amount of like football in that region. I Like the last time Limerick had a senior international was like 40, 50 years ago or something. Kind of mad. Yeah, no, no. There's, there's, there's a massive amount of potential, and hopefully, we'll have a Limerick guest maybe soon, a treaty guest soon. We can maybe expand it in more details. Bernie driving through Whitehall last week, I spotted Dan in a leisurely stroll. He took out his phone. I could see him straining reading the text. Give up, Dan. It's time for glasses. I will say, I'm the only member of my family who doesn't wear glasses. But that, that so I mean, it's bad that Bernie called me. I accidentally turned the light off on my phone. And I didn't realize I'd done it. And if that was the time. Or maybe I strain like this all the time, Bernie. But I'll take it on, you know, I'll take it on, on advice. But I, generally, sometimes you have that setting on your phone with the the, the the degree of lighting, and I'd accidentally turned it all the way down. But anyway, I, it, 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 it's a, it's a, it's actually so desperate though that we're in a time where like everyone is on his or her phone or laptop. Like, so you go to like a cafe now, and nobody's looking at you; they're just on their phone, yeah. or laptop. You go to the pub, and it's like, "Hello, how's it going? Let's look at my phone here. Um, let's look at." Uh, yeah, if want to talk to you, you could just come in, Johnny. Then it doesn't happen to everyone when they walk uh, in. A minute, well, no, actually, it's it's true, it's true with you as well. A minute and a half left. Yes, mailbag sprinting to the finish. Uh, Barry McCarthy, in defense of Johnny, while your points, Dan, are well researched, rehearsed, and constructed, would you stop chastising Johnny for interjecting? It's a podcast, the listener expects it. P.S. I love your work. P.S. I cycle with Johnny, he's remarkably quiet, not quiet, almost ascetic in his approach to it. Maybe he gets it all out in the we can't even follow up on that. But just stop getting your mates in to text in to defend yourself, Johnny. That, that, that actually, that I didn't get him to do that, actually. So. Where would you He's not a mate either, by the way. Okay, where would Love you brought the in the League of Ireland? Oh, I don't know. Uh, Jared Kelly, the Rovers got any extra fees for scales appearances. They didn't have it in, they don't have an international clause in it, which is a bit of a mistake. Wow. They have a sell-on, wow. though. Um, Connor Root wanted us to mention Piment winning the Women's National League. 
women's division. We should, as we've mentioned before, it's not under our remit. There's 123 people at the game where they won it, which is mad, really, away from home, admittedly. But um, kind of hoped some of the other pods to cover women's football covered the women's Premier Division more. Johnny Davis and Keith Long's water performance is a problem. But yes, that is our mailbag. We are done. And here is my chat with Benjamin Boycott and Wesley Hill from the Travella Group, the new prospective owners of Jody United. Yeah, so it's great to have you with us today, Wesley and Benjamin or, or Ben. Um, I don't know. I, I, I guess I'll start with you, Wesley, um, initially. Um, mm. But I mean, I'm, I'm happy to kind of throw this question to both of you, really. Um, why draw that? I mean, that, that's the question a lot of people will be asking. Why sure. draw the United? And, and how did they come on your radar and explain how we've got to where we are now, where you've had your offer provisionally accepted and you're you're hoping for approval at the start of next month? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, and, and frankly, I could give you this very uh, strategic top level, high level discussion on how we found Ireland, but really it was a relational thing. And so Ben and I, when we started kind of chatting to different clubs and speaking with brokers and just speaking with folks in the industry um i met two guys in ireland that i really liked um that were in sort of more the media side of sports uh, mostly on the broadcasting side but also had deep experience in managing clubs and being around clubs and so i just honestly had a great relationship with them and kept peppering them with questions about league of ireland like is it growing what's happening with it it seems interesting this this could be something for us in the future and they honestly were just really kind with their time. And so I kept asking them questions over and over again. And then finally, I basically was like, I think we're interested in Ireland if you guys have any ideas. And they were like, well, we don't know specifically, but we do have a friend that may be looking for investment. And so uh, through kind of relational paths, they introduced me to Connor. Um, and then so Connor and I jumped on call and really it was turned into like a three hour long call of us just talking about Drada, but just talking about life and everything else. And so I kind of came back to the guys and was like, I think we may have something here in Ireland and I really like Connor and I think I really like the club too. Um, but I don't have any information on it other than what Connor and I discussed. And so could we kind of look into it further? And so that's really how it started is, is this initial introduction trust in a party that, you know, I had friendship with and then really liked Connor. And so that's how I initially started the whole thing. And then from there, you know, there were other components that made sense. Like we, we truly believe League of Ireland's growing. We believe the area of Drada is growing drastically. Um, and so we just liked it. We liked the history. We liked the people. We liked the community. Um, and so it was something we could get our arms around as well, like where we could actually add value and actually help change things over time. And so that's kind of the quick the quick answer from my, from my angle. But Ben, I don't know if you have any other thoughts. No, I think that's great. I mean, the the truth is, Dan, um, we we look at and have looked at a lot of opportunities to invest in football clubs, and they they come kind of into the pipeline in all all different ways, right? Whether we're approached by brokers or um, advisory firms or whatever, and it seems that sometimes the best opportunities do come through relationships, like Wes said. So, um, so uh, that's kind of as Wes described how the uh the drada connection came about uh, in the first instance and then obviously it runs through a very rigorous process internally for us in terms of what we're trying to accomplish right and so you know as what i said like macro level uh, i think the league is is growing rapidly and has a lot of upside i think the region's growing rapidly and has a lot of upside and so that's all great but uh, ultimately you know it's it's about the town it's about the community um so we first set foot in drada in, in january so it's it's been a long time in the buildup 
Um, and just as Wes said, felt that there was just tremendous upside opportunity uh, in the club. Uh, really love and respect the history um, and uh, the, the culture and, uh, and, and just think it's a great opportunity for us, uh, for us going forward. Yeah, so just to explain to people, um, Ben, you're dialing in from from Alabama and Wesley, you're in, in Texas at the moment. I guess, Ben, I'll throw this one to you. Can you just explain who is Travela? What is Travela? Like, how did it come about? You know, what is, you're the managing director of the, the company. Wesley, are you the, give me your full title, sorry, I'm not <laughs> American titles here, executive. I, I... Yeah, I run partnerships and operations. Partnerships and, so, and operations. Yeah, yeah, Sorry. Yeah. Okay. I mean, can we explain just like the, the origin story of Travela? How you how you got together? Yeah, it's great. Um so Travela was founded in 2021 um by myself uh, and my founding partner, who's named Ken Polk. Uh and yeah, really the the background uh is is it's a bit of a long story to be honest with you, and I'll I'll give the very short version, but Ken and I were involved together in a sports-based nonprofit organization, American nonprofit organization that uses football as a platform for uh, humanitarian work in developing nations. Spent a lot of time in uh, East Africa, West Africa, the Caribbean doing that sort of work. And really at, at the time, football was strictly a, a means to an end uh, for us to try to do good in the world. And um, that was really the initial exposure to professional football because we saw a lot of those players uh, become really talented footballers, but frankly get taken advantage of by what is a very exploitative industry. Um, and so that was kind of our first score is, is there an opportunity for us to um, run professional clubs in these environments that can protect these players? And, and really through that, over the course of years, began to feel that there was, uh, as we got more and more connected in the world of pro football through that experience, began to feel there was some unique investment opportunities um, in, in European football. Uh, and so really over the course of years worth of um, uh, coffee conversations between myself and, and Ken ultimately, um, developed the idea to start Travella Group in 2021. If I'm honest with you, we held that with a pretty open hand. We said, okay, we're going to start this company and we're going to see if this is something we can accomplish or not. Um, and began looking for opportunities, uh, which ultimately that journey led us to Walsall Football Club and, and now has led us uh, to Drahada as well. Um, but really a lot of uh, who we are comes through, um, um, you know, the ethos that Ken and I have tried to, to put into Travella Group from the beginning, and that's that we're very long-term community-minded investors. So it's a for-profit investment company, absolutely, but we think in decades, not years, we want to invest in things that that will last, things that will stand the test of time, and things that can matter in communities, that can matter in people's lives. And we think football is a, a great way to accomplish both, to really do long-term value investing, uh, but also to invest in in communities in a, in a really meaningful way and that we, we really genuinely believe in that so um so yeah so we, we set out on that journey and, and then again uh, acquired a uh, controlling stake in Walsall football club uh about 16 months ago uh, and then have reached this stage with uh as well mm. like it's, uh, it's it's very interesting and and i don't know like i think there's, there's a sort of few questions that would spin out of that for me um mm. Like I don't know, Wesley, I think to explain probably to people as well, that you're going to be more involved with the draw operation day to day from reading the, the statement last week. Right. Um, I, and I think this is the, the, 
there's a history in Irish football of sort of a degree of scepticism to people coming mm. in from outside. And I presume you've done your homework on that. You know, there's there's been sort of a while, there's no doubt that there's a lot of, you know, just there, there, even in the last week, there's, you know, another announcement of a, of a Canadian firm in, in, in Treaty United and there's other talks ongoing. You know, there have been issues in the past, you know, with, a, you know, American hedge funds, as people would call them, you know, coming in yeah. and having issues up the road from Drada. Like, is, is part of your job when you come in and you're around the club maybe a bit more is to be convincing people that you're legit, you know, that you're actually, mm -hmm. you're in this for the right reasons? Because that's where a degree of scepticism comes from episodes elsewhere in the past. Yes, I'll say I, I I think the the skepticism is probably very warranted, uh, and I would say it's probably not unique to Ireland. I'd say there's a lot of communities in a lot of different nations around the world that have been uh, that have been really hurt by uh, people with the wrong interests, or even just poorly thought out interests or poorly thought out business plans coming in, in investing in their football club, and then realizing they either were in over their skis or didn't, didn't understand what they signed up for and then leaving the football club and ultimately the community and worse shape than they found it. So I think the skepticism is, is super warranted. So in specific answer to your question, I mean, yeah, I think a, a part of our role is, is to, in, in coming into an environment like this is to present ourselves to the community and ultimately the members club has to decide whether we're the right stewards of the club going forward or not. But at the end of the day, Dan, I mean, the only way that we can prove people were legit is by doing what we say we're going to do over time. Right. And so uh, we're a young company. And so we still have a long way to go in doing that. I believe that, you know, thus far we've, we've uh, been true to our word and done the things we said we were going to do. Uh, but we have to keep doing that. We have to keep showing up. Uh, we have to be present. You know, that's a big thing we try to put a lot of emphasis on. I spend a lot of time in Walsall. Uh, I will spend a lot of time in Drada. Wes will spend even more time in Drada. And so it, it can't be this sort of, you know, aloof, disconnected foreign ownership. Uh, we really have to be uh, in the town, understanding what makes it tick, understanding the club's culture and the club's history. Um, and then, yeah, bottom line, just following through, doing what we said we were going to do. Mm. So, so, think, so, Wesley, continue, yeah. Yeah, I was just going to say the only other thing is, is like, we're really honest about how long this is going to take. And like, this is what we do day in and day out. Like we're not making investments in any other areas. We're solely focused on building this, this company appropriately um, and investing in the right locations. And so like, I think that's another thing is like our expectations as been said are like 10, 20 years. And we're going to set those same expectations on the ground is like, we're here with you all um, and we need to learn. And so like, similarly, number one goal is to make sure Drada United continues to retain its heart and soul because uh, it's a u very unique club. I mean, tons of volunteers, tons of people spending their times on nights and weekends to get it done. And like, that's pretty impressive for what they've been able to pull off. And so that sort of organic creation can't be just templatized immediately. Like, like we're going to improve efficiencies in some locations. We're going to add capacity, but really what we want to do is continue to keep that organic growth going. And so, yeah, I think it's going to be a lot of just meeting with people, being ourselves, frankly, and enjoying it. And so like the other part to it is, is it's just exciting and fun. Like it may sound ridiculous, but like, we just, we just really enjoy this work. Like it's super, super fun for us. And so like, it's not, it's not a, 
I mean, sure, we are investing, but that's that's not how we think about things. We really think about operating and, and helping operate and enhancing. And so, um, yeah, we're, we're, we just like it. Yeah. Okay, so before I move on to some very specific questions, draw the related, just generally, yeah. just listen to your company plan. Would it be the plan to, in the coming years, to add more clubs to your portfolio? Like you're, you're talking about a, a long-term plan, like for the business. And I suppose secondly, with that, and it's related, I mean, mm. your, your, your patience over a period of time is, uh, I think people will be, will, will like that to, to hear that in some respects, sure. the other thing they'll be looking at thinking, okay, I mean, how much funding do you have to offer here that allows you to, to provide that patience? I mean, okay, profitability over the longer term is um, something to aspire towards, but, but short term, what are your thresholds? And that's two separate questions maybe within yeah. that about expanding, but also your, um, you know, the, the short term uh, funding situation. Sure. Yeah. Um, so first question is, uh, do we intend on investing in additional clubs over time? Uh, yeah, we do. Um, so we see this growing to a, um, a larger community of clubs. We don't have specific plans for exactly how, how big that gets, but the, the one commitment we've made is that those clubs will benefit one another. So it, it won't be just a, a disjointed group of, of, of disconnected clubs. Uh, if we uh, make an additional investment, uh, it has to add value back into the whole. We believe that's the case here and we believe that will be the case going forward. Now, timelines on that. Um, you know, right now we're really just focused on getting, getting this one finalized. And obviously it's been a long time coming. It was a, a, about a year in the making, similarly to how Walsall football club was about a year in the making. And at this moment, we don't have really any others on the radar. So right now our focus is, um, you know, if, if the members will have us, uh, getting this one done, uh, and, uh, doing it right. And then, and then we'll go from there. But as far as specific plans about when that happens and how that happens, you know, we, we hold that with a, a pretty open hand and, and just ultimately have to make the right decisions and, and not grow faster than is, is responsible, right? Um, and then, yeah, the, the short-term plans is, is really, I mean, we we plan to come in and invest, invest holistically in the club, right? We want to build a better football club and that's going to look like a bunch of different things. It will look like investments in the front office so that we can just run a better operation day-to-day. I know we are aware of the fact that the facilities uh, leave something to be wanting at Drada. And so at least some short-term investment to, to improve that experience. Um, and then, yeah, of course, on the technical side, that's that's the bit that everybody's most interested in. And that's the bit that's most important, right? So there will be investment in technical infrastructure um, from an operations and staffing standpoint. And then in the player budget, yeah, the player budget will, will become more competitive. But for us, that's a, a piece of a of a holistic investment picture to, to really incrementally improve the club over time. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I mean, Wesley or, or, or Ben, what, what were your first thoughts when you walked into to Weaver's Park as it is now? Because it is a big talking point within the, the country here, you know, facilities, stadiums in certain places aren't good enough. I appreciate even in, in, in League Two and in, in, in Walsall, you'll probably mm. go to top class venues or certainly you know high level venues on a on a regular basis um what were your thoughts when you walk in there does that give you any sort of i don't know reluctance to think hmm, i'm not sure about this setup here or what did you have to look beyond it i mean my my first thought was it's cold in this clubhouse <laughs> but but other than that it was it was genuinely like exciting to see like we looked around and it felt it felt meaningful like obviously 
things need to be improved. And obviously, long term, that that location's not sustainable. But we could kind of get the history by just walking into that stadium. And so, sure, there's things you need to look at. There's things you there's things you need to kind of visualize what could be in the future. Um, but there was we were not scared by walking in there by many, any means. We were actually really captivated by the history. And and frankly, it, it's it's and this is just sort of speaking personally, but sad to think about matches not being played there because of the history and the environment and um you know people crowded around in tight and so there's something there's something to it that that matters and so we really don't I, yeah we, we don't think about it as anything scary by any means um and really love that it's there and so no we, we enjoyed it do you see the yeah. playing there in five years time if you if you were successful in taking your uh you know your, your takeover went through with such Say, say the question again, Dan. I'm sorry. Good. Do good. Do you envisage the draw the United still being playing, still playing in in Weavers Park in five years' time? Oh, I see. Yeah, I mean, really, like we said in that initial announcement, um, we're well aware that the the stadium to leave much to be desired, and there there have been discussions with with the council on land for a new stadium facility. And again, if the members will uh, will vote yes on this, we'll we'll plan to advance those conversations as quickly as responsible. And, and that would be the long-term plan is, is to move to a new stadium facility. Um, putting timelines around that, obviously there's a whole bunch of stuff in that that's out oh, of our control. Yeah. And, yeah. And all that kind of stuff. So hard to put timelines around it when you can't control it. Um, but yeah, the thought would be to to move forward. And I guess that will tie back into my my thoughts on your question just a second ago. It's like, it's really two things held in tension when, when I walked in there in the first place, like as a, as a business person, just kind of like a yeah yeah this this probably isn't going to work <laughs> long term right like there will need to be something different to make this sustainable for the next thirty years um, but but like what what you can't do is rip that out and replace it with plastic right like there's so much history there's so much culture there that has in in whatever we do going forward we have to be really thoughtful about how to how to maintain that because there there's uh, what cannot happen is us lose the the heart and soul of the football club which is kind of um, embedded in those walls, if you will. Yeah, I suppose the um, the follow up from that is the full time status of the playing staff, which is another big talking point here. And the method, the, the vibe seems to be that it may not necessarily be an overnight. I think it's pretty clear from everything you're saying. None of this is going to be quite overnight, but um, I think there will be an awareness that the budget this year will be very small. You know, in terms of next year, are we talking about a significant rise enough that the squad would gravitate towards being full time, or is that a little bit more of a, a a couple of years down the line in in your vision of of what might involve? You know, I think we've had this conversation around and around. I think there's I think there's kind of consensus amongst ourselves at Travella and and the current board that um, it would be relatively chaotic and impractical to to try to do it overnight. And so we we do see that as as a multi year process the professionalization of the club we, we will be moving in that direction club will be full-time professional um but it won't happen overnight you're exactly right in saying it um i suppose wes what have your mm. to, to what extent have you talked with kevin doherty about things uh, i i know he's he's obviously well regarded i think there was a there was obviously interest from another club and it's possible around that time i don't know did any discussions take place who knows um but you know he's he's uh 
he's obviously well regarded and and there's always a natural fear that people would have i guess it's you know a, a new ownership comes in mm. and then you kind of wonder does does the manager become vulnerable overnight you know that's just mm. the way that comes from experience elsewhere you're judged by experience elsewhere rather than your own but i don't know have you had much interactions with kevin yeah, Kevin. Kevin's great. I mean, especially now um, that it's his public, we 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 talk often, um, and so he's been he's been great to get to know, and you know, maybe even making phone calls on his post and stuff like that when he's running around. But no, he's he's been fantastic, and not only as a just a human, but he's a great manager. Like we, anyone can see that for what he's done with the budget, what he's done with players. I mean, Ben can speak to it more than I can in the Walsall perspective, but what he did with Freddie Draper and what Freddie's doing now, like. It's it's he's not only a great manager tactically within matches, but also in player development, which is really important for us as well. And so, um, so yeah, we we really like him, and we hope to continue to work with him. Um, and so that's kind of that's kind of the quick, but yeah, I I like Kevin a lot. Just a couple of quick things, maybe just to finish yeah. up. Actually, the um, so the multi club model is widely discussed, and I think obviously that's interpreted in a lot of ways as one functioning as a feeder club to the other. Um, and I suppose one of the attractions well, one of, the, of the League of Ireland at the moment maybe is young talent is you know I don't need to tell you you've done your homework you know post-Brexit things have, have changed significantly mm. in this country in terms of young talent like and, and you're talking about maybe expanding your portfolio further but are we talking about a situation here where, where young players that draw that gravitate towards Walsall naturally is, is that something you could see as, as part of your future yeah, I think the the sporting synergies between the clubs. I mean, I, I think they'll they'll be there, and I, I think player movement will be a part of that. But what I what I want to say clearly is like you know, Walsall's position in the EFL matters, and Drogheda's position in the League of Ireland matters. And so, uh, what I definitely wouldn't say is that it's a feeder club. Uh, I think you used that phrase. I, I definitely wouldn't say that. Uh, what I think will will happen naturally is is there will be opportunities because we'll intimately know the players and, and uh, at both clubs and what's best for their development what's best for their careers uh, i do think there will be movement of players uh between the clubs um but only in the sense that it's best for both clubs and best for that player's development and best for that player's career right so one will not be at the expense of the other but the reality is you have two clubs kind of in in the same sporting ecosystem now that that will have different benefits to different players at, at, at different times if that makes sense so yeah. uh so yeah i hope hopefully that answers your question yeah not fair enough i think um the, you know it's the type of thing there will be further questions uh about in due course i think um I guess just finally, I, I noticed in your statement last week, you described, um, and I can't recall which of you the quote was attributed to, but it was uh, describing the, the League of Ireland as a high potential league. Mm. Um, and I, I guess I, I know that the FAI have been part of these talks and, you know, you, you needed to get a sort of approval to get beyond a certain stage. I'm sort of curious from your perspective, like we can be harsh on ourselves sometimes. There will be mm -hmm. people who, who naturally say, well, what are they hoping to, to get here? Because there's, there's a history in this country of football you know, struggling to be profitable. Um, I, I, I guess I'm wondering what are you seeing that, that encourages you to things are in a better direct, are going in a better direction? Because I know attendances are going up, which is very encouraging. But then there's the absence of maybe 
a TV deal and some commercial structures that, I mean, I, I read the figures the other day about the uh, the new TV deal that's coming down the tracks even for the EFL clubs. And I mean, the figures are substantial. Um, you don't have any such stimulus really guaranteed here. Um, so I guess, where are you seeing that sort of potential? Good question. You may take it, Ben. Um, so... <laughs> It's a bit nuanced and half it'll be data driven and half will be more qualitative. Um, but when sort of looking at, at Ireland in general, I spent a ton of time on Twitter, Instagram, social media, like all these locations, basically seeing like how much excitement is happening around the league. And this past year and the year before, there seemed to be a, a, just a massive amount of excitement. You know, like you said, attendance is up, but even simple things like, you know, I spoke with Joanna the other day and she's just amazed by the amount of Drada jerseys around the town. And like she said, it's just 10x what she she saw in the past. And so like, again, that that's 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 more sort of the qualitative side of there's there's a groundswell happening, at least in my opinion, um, on, on League of Ireland. It's interesting. People are following it. People are also getting tired of these massive massive clubs that they're following that they're disconnected with and it's genuinely exciting like league of ireland football is super super fun to watch in my opinion i watch every game at my house and so um i think in general that's sort of more of the qualitative side but like you said there's fan fan supporter supporter bases are growing ticketing's up all that's happening and so i don't have a specific comment on kind of league-wide sponsorship deals or media rights deals or anything like that but we believe we believe the growth is there okay well listen guys i really appreciate your time um it's great to hear your sort of initial thoughts i appreciate this is all conditional on you getting approval um from the members i reckon you've got a chance that'll be my prediction i reckon you've got a oh. chance but um yeah we're, we're looking forward to to hearing from you and talking to you again in the coming years but i really appreciate uh yeah really appreciate appreciate you coming to talk to us on the show Thanks very much. Thank you. Uh, so I'm doing a piece in the Business Post Sunday about new takeovers in the League of Ireland. Dan, we've had three in the space of like six months overseas takeovers, give or take, for a league that was basically a bit of a joke for Irish people. What is happening? Yeah, I mean, it's, I suppose I was trying to touch on it at the end there with the lads, like this high potential league angle. Because um, as you've mentioned, you know, the treaty thing has happened. I, I mentioned in my newsletter, I think Cove have been in talks with people too uh, from America. So, um, yeah, I, I think I, I, there was something going around in the last year or so was online. It was like some stat or some production somewhere that clearly a lot of people have identified Ireland as something that's underperforming, probably relative to what it could achieve. Um, but there's... Naturally, there's a lot of skepticism out there amongst our listeners. Who, when we're talking about the FBI's financial situation, we're talking about TV deals, or but they don't exist. We're talking about prize money. Um, I know post Brexit things have changed. The multi-club thing has probably changed the environment. That you know people can probably see one club here. It may not need to be profitable here, but it could benefit a bigger operation. Um, but there is an element of people probably willing to give it a chance because they're. You know Wesley at the end there speaking about like the positivity around the league, um, you know that that people need to move with these investors too. Like if the FEI are bringing them in, or or having some role in bringing them in, I'm not saying they did in the draw. Yeah, case. they've been conduits. In other cases, they've been conduits. Like they have to be telling them 
you know, something's happening in a couple of years' time or we've got plans or else they're going to have a lot of angry people. Um, so I don't know what you met of the of the lads. Like, obviously, the interview finishes, you, you sort of you feel there's other questions you'd like to have asked. But um, I, I was sort of interested in um, Benjamin's background, like in humanitarian work, sort of through football. Um, and also, I mean, I've... I've like if there were if there were any leagues that were, like, suitable to somebody who's involved in humanitarian work, it is the League of Ireland. This, this is our downtrodden humor, like that comes with it. We say to these investors, like, you know, we sort of we take the piss out of ourselves relentlessly. But I, I, I think, and I, I have to, like, I, as part of that interview, I also wrote a piece up for the paper, you know, for the, for the website. And I can sort of look, what do I lead on here? And I think there is an element of uh, some people will be interested in the, the player movement, feeder club aspect. Some will be interested in more the full time element. When will it be full time? Not straight away. But I think it's like, saying we don't expect to turn a profit like for decades basically you know it's a real long long haul commitment so i don't know why you made it in for you overall i thought the lads are good um and like uh, the families we got from draw is that they're there are like they're not kind of these fly by night merchants and i do i do think there's loads of upside like draw has been run on such a minuscule budget yes that they're not a million miles off competing for europe as it is um it's interesting the way they spoke about like the ground as well, like that they actually kind of can relate to the, I suppose, the, the nature of just like this, like it's still a special place. Like it's still like if you go to draw the night, it's it's actually still like a, I know it's like an anachronism, but like, and it ha- like since Kev Doherty has come in and the, I don't know, like the, the buzz around the town and that, and well, I, I for me, he's, he is definitely the manager of the, of the year. Um, I, 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 I think there's massive upside. It's it's probably like getting involved in a horror stand as both of us have. It's never a good investment. The League of Ireland is the worst investment, if that makes sense. Well, I mean, horses also die suddenly. Uh, hopefully clubs don't. Mm. Um, have done in the past. Um, speaking of uh, things that didn't work out. Um, well, sorry, you, 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 you did actually, you did praise it at the time. You said that's a very good question. Problem was, pe- yeah, people didn't know the answer. So it's like, what was the last thing? Which what was the last team to go through the league uh, with a basically they won all their home games and it was actually quite a quite a poignant question. We had a lot of guesses. We had Cork guesses and Rovers twenty twenty, which I must admit I didn't know the answer. I went checking Rovers twenty twenty, but they had a couple of draws at home. It was poignant for both of us. Eighty two, eighty three is kind of around the time we were born, basically. At Lone Town. Explains why we didn't remember. Uh, at Lone Town and explains why none of our listeners did. Uh, we love the entries for the Rascals Brewing quiz, but uh, Rascals Brewing quiz. But it's like the 1993 Grand National. This one, there is no winner in the record books. We didn't even so, have a voice. So we're going to have a rollover for next week. So um, next week, um, basically, okay, there's no rollover. Basically, there was no, no winner. This week. No, we didn't have a winner last week. Um, um, so let's do. You better have a better question. So this week's question is: James McLean obviously featured on the show. What was his first club? Oh, it's a good question. That's a good, I know probably probably you know too good actually. Too good is it, Dan? Like, oh. I know the answer to that one. It's actually, no, and it was first clubs in eighty two, eighty three. First club um, where he played a senior club. Yeah, the yeah. first senior. Club, to be clear, it's not his boys' club at Derry. And mm. it's first club where he played senior football. And um, that uh, that is a good question. So, this, so, this, so just this, mentioning at Lone Town, right? So at Lone Town, still like in box position for the fifth place position. What if at Lone Town get promoted next season? That would be well. Fun. We had a mailbag question about at Lone. WTF. I'm not sure what the context. I'm not really sure what the context was. At loan itself but, or at loan down? Well, yeah. I mean, I assume it wasn't a social commentary. Um, yeah. I mean, again, I did I even 
Like, is it in their interest to even get from out? Like, who knows? Like, I mean, it does appear like they're tanking badly. Um, but you'd assume, like, maybe this is just like this is the like Waterford, you would like to think their form is they're just preparing themselves to the playoffs. Athlone seems to be a an extreme version of that, preparing themselves so well, they're going to take themselves out of the playoffs completely. And <laughs> um, it's it's all it's all very odd. We'll see like what happens if people move for some of their players in the off season. Now, I keep talking about doing a piece about Athlone. I'm completely procrastinating, um, but maybe by not being promoted, that will sort of uh, you know there won't be as many eyes on on them. Uh, did you, did you feel a bit of a a bit of a, um, a refugee when you were in Terryland? You're like, I've never been here for years. You know, I'm talking to Galway people now. I meet Luke Homer, like you know. So if, like, if you go to these first vision grounds, you don't know what you're at, basically. Are you talking about your own trip or mine? <laughs> well, you know what I mean. Like, and you did a, you did have a good piece about your last trip to Atlone, where you were basically like like North Korea. You were basically someone towards somebody who talked to you. Uh, well, it's not it's not talking about the the, the DMZ. And that alone, but yeah, we'll see. We might, uh, I mean, Kieran Duff is flying with the women's side, previous mm. guests. So, um, there you go. Um, I know I mentioned earlier, like, you know, we don't cover the women's side of the game because we're not experts on it. And like, people who watch the games regularly should be doing those type of shows. Um, but yeah, there's a, there's a few interesting storylines there, interesting that we are very much aware of. I should mention, we're both recording remotely, the joys of it. I'm currently cooking rice in the background. Uh, you're sort of reheating an expensive curry. You know, you're at that stage of the game where it's like rice, it's in the it's in the pan. You could burn that if you leave it for too long. And they're looking nervously over at it. So can we just get to the fixtures and finish the show? Okay, wouldn't, wouldn't, mind, uh, wouldn't, wouldn't, mind, uh, wouldn't mind burning Declan Rice. Okay, so the fixtures <laughs> this weekend, Derry City v. Shells, um, Saga Rovers v. Dundalk, um, kind of a forgotten game in some respects, although Dundalk's still in the hunt for... Fourth in theory, UCV Cork City. Not really. Yeah. Uh, kind of. Yeah. Uh, Bowes v Pats, I'll be in daily mount for that. And Shamrock Rovers v Dryer United, Dan will be at that game. Monday night's fixtures Cork City, Shamrock Rovers, and St. Patrick's against Sligo Rovers. As I mentioned previously, uh, the big game, the first division is at Lone, Longford Town, kind of tied in with Treaty Walford, that battle for fifth. Galway United are going to get uh, the celebration um, playing at home to Wexford. It's going to be a fun night in Galway. Uh, Cove Ramblers play uh, Kerry and Bray Wanderers who mathematically are not totally out of it, but have had a pretty bad season against another team who've basically flopped as well at Finn Harpstrand. There we go. Well, listen, let's see how they all go. How they get on next week. We could have champions crowned. Who knows where we'll be in the European race. How um, excited are you for the live show before we go? Um, I'll be excited when we get some of our details over the line, Johnny. That's a, <laughs> that's a professional answer. We'll, so, we'll, we'll have more to talk to people about next week. Let's not... My rice is, is, is in danger here. So let's not... Let's not so, my dear listener, it, it's not a thinly veiled we don't have any guests because we just were waiting for who are the right, the optimum kind of candidates, like, basically, like... That's it. We're going down um, Hanover. I'm Stephen so. Rice now, actually. That we were in association oh. with uh, Future Ticketing Rascals, Burry Ninja Core, and, of course, Colin Cough. <laughs>